morning. The scripture lesson this morning is from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 through 31. In your Black Pew Bibles, it's page 978. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 through 31. Hear these words. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and claymore and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. The word of our Lord. Okay, let me give you a, a preview of where we are in our preaching and what's coming in terms of our preaching. Uh, if you're new with us at Seven Mile Road, our general practice is to go through different books of the Bible in terms of our preaching. And so the Bible is one big book with 66 little books inside it. And so we generally try to start at the beginning of one of these books and work our way exhaustively to the end. And we want to just do that over and over and over again throughout the whole Bible. In the month of February, in a few weeks, we're going to be starting that and looking at the book of 1 Timothy. And so we're going to be preaching a series through the book of 1 Timothy that will take us to the summer. And I'll say more about that in the coming weeks. But what that means is that leaves us sort of three weeks between now and the start of the next series. So here's what's sort of coming down the pike. Uh, next week is a Sunday that many churches celebrate as Sanctity of Life Sunday. It coincides with the 40th anniversary of Roe uh, versus Wade. And so we'll look at a biblical teaching of the issue of abortion and try and preach that both faithfully and graciously and well. So that's coming next week. Two weeks from now, as we mentioned during our announcements, we have the joy of maturing as a church plant and God calling another pastor to serve here. And so we're going to be calling and commissioning and appointing Binu to pastoral work, and we'll give our attention to doing that, Lord willing, well on that Sunday. And so that leaves us today with a unique opportunity where we get to consider a passage of Scripture that's not rooted in a particular sermon series. And so for this morning, what I'd like us to do is I want us to consider two short passages of Scripture and, and there's a number of reasons why I think the Spirit has sort of led us to this moment, both for me personally and us corporately. And that's from Ephesians 4, the passage that Kurt read for us, and Hebrews 12. I'm going to read you just two verses from each of these passages, and you're going to hear one word in common with both, and that is that both passages ish deal with the issue of bitterness. Recently, I was given a, a book uh, by a man named Jim Wilson called How to Be Free of Bitterness. I found the book very helpful, found these passages incredibly helpful for myself, and I trust that the Lord will use it to be helpful to you as well. All right, let me read you these two verses. First is Hebrews 4, verse 31 and 32. You can just listen with me. It says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice, be kind to one another, 
tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And the other passage is Hebrews 12, verses 14 and 15. This is what it says. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many have become defiled. We'll say more about these two verses in a minute, but here's the image that's sort of been burned in my mind and what I've been praying about and praying for even in this week. In, in the passage in Hebrews, you'll notice that it says the root of bitterness. So the writer of Hebrews likens bitterness to this root, and he says, see to it that this root of bitterness does not spring up, cause trouble, and defile many people. So here's how you might be coming this morning as you hear that we're going to talk about this. Some of you may immediately in your minds be thinking, I don't want to talk about bitterness. I, I don't want to talk about it. And that may be a good indication that you are bitter, and that's why you don't want to talk about it, right? Some of you may be here, and as soon as this is being said, it's as if the Holy Spirit is telling you, you should pay attention right? You have those moments every now and then where if you've ever come to church and you hear a preacher, every now and then people will say things like, I thought he was speaking right to me, right? I thought he knew something about me. Who told him? And, and you come to find out no one did, but the Holy Spirit knows, and the Holy Spirit may be preparing you to pay attention, maybe speaking to your heart even now saying, you need to listen to this one. And then there may be others of you that I, I would say, honestly would say, I don't think there's any issue of bitterness in my life or in my heart. And that may be entirely true. I would caution you that Hebrews describes bitterness as this root, right? And what's the nature of roots? Roots are underground. They're invisible. You can't see them. And yet they grow over time and gain strength and power and suck up nourishment. And so there may be within, deep, buried in your heart, roots of bitterness. Wherever you are, here, here's what I would have been praying for the Lord to do among us. I've been praying that the Lord would take today to be a day where he, by his word, through his spirit, digs up whatever roots of bitterness may be growing in your heart so that today you might be free of them and rid your heart of these roots of bitterness that can spring up and cause trouble and defile many people. And if you're one of the folks who have no roots of bitterness in your heart, then I'd ask you to simply receive this sermon as sort of a, a shovel that you can have on hand, so that should the roots of bitterness ever begin to grow in your heart, you've got this ready to dig up this root and not allow it to bear bitter fruit in your life. So my, hoping, my hope and prayer is that you will receive this wherever in your life you may be this morning. Let me pray to that end, and then we'll consider this together. Our Lord, we pause simply to ask you for help to confess freely that apart from you, we will waste our time. I will waste my time in speaking. Your people will waste their time in hearing. Apart from your help, I'll speak useless and faithless words, and your people will be hard-hearted and defensive. So don't let any of that happen. Instead, let the Holy Spirit come. And help me now so that I might speak a faithful and good word, hugging closely to your word, and that the Holy Spirit might attach power to these puffs of air that come from my mouth, that they might penetrate your people's ears and minds and hearts. And let all of us now have grace to be open to your word, that perhaps there are layers of hardened bitterness in our heart that you want to destroy even today. 
And your word is powerful and active. Hebrews tells us that your word is like a sword that cuts us all the way down to marrow and joint. Your word can do that. And, and when you cut, it's a healing kind of cut. It's the cut of a surgeon who wants to heal us. And so we ask that your spirit would do that and dig up roots of bitterness throughout this church for our joy, for your glory and the good of all people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's begin by just asking and thinking through what is bitterness, right? Bitterness is one of those things that you know it when you see it. It's easy to spot in someone else. You can look at a person and go, that is a bitter person. But it's one of those things that's also much harder to see in yourself. It's one of those things that we know the traits of it, but it's harder to define. And so how, how would you define bitterness or explain bitterness? Let me try by, by saying this. If I were to lie or disrespect someone in public, and I found out that that was wrong, and I felt, what would I feel about it? I would feel guilt, right? I would know that I did something wrong, and I would feel guilt. Now, if someone else lied about me or disrespected me in public, what would I feel? Guilt or bitterness? I'd feel, of course, bitterness, right? And, and that's simple and easy enough to say simply this. The guilt is what we feel when we sin, and bitterness is what we feel when someone sins against us. Right? Guilt is what we feel when we sin, and bitterness is what we feel when someone sins against us. By its very nature, bitterness has to do with the action of another person or the sin of another person against us. And sometimes these sins are real, and sometimes they're not even real. They're imaginary. They're perceived. How many of us know of people or ourselves who've been bitter because of something, some misunderstanding, something they perceived wrongly? But it's almost as if real or not doesn't make sense or doesn't matter because for us, we feel hurt, we feel offended, we feel wrong, we feel this sense of justice. And so for us, the sins of another often lead us to become bitter. We're, we're talking through the sins that someone else commits against us. And, and the other thing about bitterness is it doesn't matter the size of the sin. It just matters the closeness of the sinner. What, what I mean by that is when it comes to bitterness, it's not the size of the evil, but rather the proximity of the evil to yourself. Like, think of this evil that you've heard of another state or another country. In just the last month, think of the evil that you've heard done all around you. Likely, you may have felt angry. Likely, you may have felt saddened or upset. But most assuredly, you did not feel bitter about it, despite it being great evil. Whereas on the other hand, even if it's something small, but it's done close to us, by someone close to us, it can be minor in relation to some great evil, but its proximity is so close to us. It's done by someone we know or love or trust, and we feel offended, we feel hurt, we feel bruised, slighted in the slightest way, and we can tend to become bitter. Bitterness has nothing to do with the size of the sin. It's the closeness of the one who sinned against us. That's why the people that we're bitter against are not strangers out there. Most likely, the people that we're bitter against are those in our spheres, in our circles, in our spheres of influence and relationship. If, if you would be honest with yourself and think about people that you may have bitterness towards, 
The Holy Spirit may bring to your mind names and faces, and I can assure you that those names and faces are people that you know, people close to you, right? How many marriages have husbands and wives that are locked and entrenched with great unresolved bitterness between themselves, right? The, the names and faces that come are, are husbands and wives and mothers and fathers and friends and relatives, people in your circles. How many marriages have, have bitterness that's been unresolved and between them for so long? Again, the size of the sin doesn't matter. It can be something as simple as, you know, not picking up your socks. But 5,000 times later, your heart is stewing and, and smoldering, and the anger and the resentment begins to build and, and cake over your heart and begins to grow this sediment that becomes rock-like in your heart. You might have an ex-husband or an ex-wife, and that person may be out of your life, and yet the bitterness remains, and, and, and it's there. It might be many of us are adults and have aged parents, and some of us bear within ourselves bitterness towards parents from things done or not done many, many years ago, and yet we bear it in our hearts. It can be to an employer who passed you up for a promotion and gave it to someone else. It can be to a classmate that seemed to disrespect you publicly. It can be to pastors. It can be within churches. It can be to people that you expected things from and they didn't meet your expectations. What, what I'm trying to say is in all our spheres of relationships, there's the potential for bitterness because in all our relationships, there's the potential for sin. There's the potential to be sinned against. And that's the thing. When I sin, I can feel guilty about it, confess it, acknowledge it, be done with it. But what do I do when someone sins against me? What options do we have when we are the ones who are being sinned against? And basically, we have two options. You either forgive the person or you get even with the person. And that's basically it. Your options when you are sinned against is either to forgive the person and bear the hurt and the loss that comes with their hurt, or you seek to get even. It's eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. You hurt me and I'm going to hurt you. You bump me and I'm going to bump you, right? And if we cannot do that actively through revenge, many of us who are passive will do that through bitterness. And in some ways, that's what bitterness is. Bitterness is passive revenge. Because what we're doing is we are trying so desperately to emotionally punish this person who wronged us. If we could actively get at their throat, we would, but we can't. And so we'll do it within the confines of our own heart. If we could send them to the court and have this justice done for their wrong, we would. But since we can't, we almost set up judge and jury and execution within the confines of our heart. And we pronounce them guilty, and we punish them on the inside. Bitterness is often this attempt on our part to, to avenge ourselves, to, to have justice done within the, the corridors of our own heart. But anyone who's ever been bitter will tell you that the great irony is that while you are seeking to punish the other person, the exact opposite takes place. Right? Through bitterness, nothing happens to the offender. 
but all the while you are being destroyed from the inside, right? Nothing happens to the one that you are offended by, but all the while it's ruining and devastating you. It quietly destroys you while the other person doesn't even seem to know about it. And think through all the havoc that bitterness can cause emotionally and psychologically and spiritually and physically and socially, right? It has this consuming way of impacting all of us. It impacts the way that we think. It clouds our mind and our view and our judgment and our perception of reality. All of it is seen through these glasses of bitterness that we wear. It impacts our, our emotions, right? What we feel, how we feel throughout the day. The day could be bright and sunny, and yet you feel like it's a rainstorm in your heart because it has this way of impacting all your emotions. It impacts your social life, right? You could have bitterness towards this one person completely removed from any connection, and yet it spills over and seeps into all the other relationships that you have. You know how hard it is to befriend and be loved by a person who is gripped with bitterness and how that thing seems to spring up and cause trouble and defile many people, as Hebrews 12 says. You think of what it does even physically, how many people, the doctors in the room could tell us, come in and so much of what they are going through is is stress that's compounded by these things in their life, and there's physiological reactions to it. It's spiritual as well. Sin separates us from God and from one another, and bitterness has that way of doing all of that. It's, it's the irony is that when we hold on to this bitterness, when we harbor this resentment, when we nurse our hatred, it rots us out on the inside. Someone described holding bitterness like holding acid in your hand, getting ready to throw it in the face of the one who hurt you. And, and your aim is to hurt the person, but all the while you're the one who's being burned. You're the one who's being disintegrated through this bitterness that you hold. And, and the tragedy is for some of us, we hold on to it for such duration, for such length, with such intensity that it begins to define us. And, and in a sick sort of way, we're comforted by our bitterness, and we derive this pleasure from our bitterness, and we enjoy being bitter people, and we, we hold it like a security blanket, so much so that we're afraid to think what would be of us if we let this thing go. It's defined us for so long, we can't even imagine what we'd be like if we didn't have this or hold on to this. If you've struggled with bitterness, you also know that Nothing seems to take it away. It doesn't dissolve, right? The old adage that time heals all wounds, that's a joke when it comes to bitterness, right? How many people do you know or you yourself know who've had bitterness in their hearts for days, weeks, months, years, decades? People who've had bitterness in their hearts for hurts done to them decades ago. The idea that if you just allow enough time to pass, it'll pass, is a joke. And, and just like time doesn't heal it, space doesn't heal it either. It's not if we can just get ourselves far enough away from this person, move into a different either physical location or at least a social circle that's different so we never have to see them anymore. That doesn't seem to erase the bitterness locked up in our hearts. This person could be completely out of your life. And it doesn't change these sentiments of bitterness. In fact, how many people know of people 
where someone's passed away and there's no longer any opportunity for reconciliation and this bitterness remains. And if you're here and you're sort of wondering, you know, does any of this define me? One of the telltale signs for whether or not you carry bitterness is that bitter people can remember with incredible accuracy the offense done to them. Right? We're people who have thousands of moments every single day, millions and millions of data sort of floating around in our mind, and we forget so much. But it's amazing with what remarkable, crystal clear, vivid color accuracy we remember the offenses done to us. When you're bitter, it's like you've got this home theater system in your mind and this big screen TV and HD DVDs that you plug in and play and you review and watch over and over and over again. Some of you can remember exactly when it was, where you were. You can remember with precision the words that were said to you. You remember even facial movements and expressions and gestures and what they were wearing and what time of day it was. It's, it's this... It's this movie that's on repeat over and over and over again, and you review it and watch it and study it and analyze it and consider it over and over again. This is, again, why Hebrews tells us, and I want you to hear it again, Hebrews 12, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it, Many become defiled. That's the word, the exhortation, even the warning, as it were, from the scriptures to us. Right? You might think that your bitterness is this private issue tucked away in the corners and corridors of your heart. What does it matter if I'm bitter? It's, it's my issue, and it's tucked away in my heart. But the scriptures are telling us, you know, it never stays that way. D- did you notice how he said, Be careful, see to it that no one has this root of bitterness that does what? That springs up. That over time, given enough conditions, this bitterness is going to seep out. It's going to spring up. It's going to either produce bitter fruit in your life or the the root itself is going to come up. Right? Roots are underground. You can't see them. But given enough time, they can grow with such strength. You've seen sidewalks lifted by roots. And and the writer of Hebrews is saying, see that this root of bitterness does not spring up and cause trouble and defile many people. It's not just this private thing tucked away in the corner of your heart. It has this way of defiling many. That is, the filth of your own bitterness impacts lots of people around you. And you can tell stories from your own experience of, of marriages of families, of extended families, of churches that have been ripped apart because the, the root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and many become defiled. And then you have teams and factions and fractions and divisions and all such. There's much more we could say on this whole thing, but here's what I'd have you ask yourself at this point. Am I a bitter person? Ask yourself at this point, does my heart have the roots of bitterness growing? Ask yourself, is the Spirit of God bringing to my mind a name and a face of someone that I carry bitterness towards? 
And if you can be honest with yourself, I want to just pause to applaud you even there itself because of the courage it would take to own up to that reality in your life. It's never easy to admit these kinds of things, even to yourself. You don't have to whisper it to anyone. To acknowledge it within your own heart takes a grace and work of God. And if that is you, then I want to say again what I said at the beginning. My prayer has been and my hope has been and my faith for this day is that what God wants to do for you today is to dig up this root of bitterness and rid your heart of it. I believe that what God wants to do for you today is graciously give you the shovel of grace and dig up this root of bitterness from your heart that you might be rid of it. How do we do that? Right? It's one thing, maybe even you'll agree with me, sure, I want that done, but it's, it's one thing to know that a thing needs to be done. It's another to actually do it. How do we rid ourselves of the root of bitterness? And I would simply offer you two suggestions. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. If you're a Christian here, you've heard those words before because that's what all of Christianity is about. The entire Christian life is one of repentance and faith. It's repenting and believing. If you're here and you've got the roots of bitterness growing in your heart, repent. What does that mean? That's to confess, to acknowledge, to own up to, and to turn from bad news. What's the bad news? Your bitterness is the bad news. Your sin is bad news in your life. You know it. So repent. Acknowledge it. Confess it. Own up to it. Turn from it. And believe. Believe what? The opposite of bad news. Good news. What's the good news? The gospel. That's what Christians call gospel. The good news of what Jesus has done. I believe that you repenting and believing is the means by which God wants to rid your heart of bitterness. So let's talk through those two quickly. First, repent. Repent, if you have the root of bitterness growing your heart, repent. That is, acknowledge it, own it, confess it. Listen to me. One of the reasons why getting rid of bitterness is so hard for us is because we feel like we're the victim. What do you mean, I need to repent? I wasn't the one who did anything wrong. Why are you calling me to confess? I was the one sinned against. What is it that I have to be sorry about? When she says sorry, or when he says, would you forgive me, this will all be done, and my bitterness will get better, and I'll feel better. Right? One of the reasons why it's so hard for us is that when we recall the things that we're bitter about, we're, our hearts immediately tug us to say, look at him, not look at me. She, he, they are the ones who did the wrong. What on earth do I have to confess about? What do I have to acknowledge? What do I have to own? What do I have to repent of? We believe very strongly in our hearts, and this is bad news, that bitterness is something that someone else did to us. It was their sin that created this, rather than it being my problem or my sin. I want you to hear this. I am not taking away from you that someone may have truly and tragically wronged you. But I am saying to you that bitterness is your sinful response to that wrong and to that hurt. Some of us believe that we're entitled to our bitterness that we 
are obligated to our bitterness. What else should we be? We were wronged. And I know that we're not that way because I know of the Lord Jesus. You know why? I don't know of a person who is more innocent and yet more wronged than the Lord Jesus. I don't know of a person who is more innocent and yet you know the scriptures if you've been with us. And, and if you're here and you don't, let me tell you, they took the Lord Jesus because of our sin, your sin, my sin. And they mocked him. And they falsely accused him and slandered his name and spread lies about him as far and wide as they could. They trumped him up on false charges. They beat him with a rod on his stick, uh, uh, with a rod on his head. They stripped him nude and dragged him in public so that he could be ashamed before everyone. They, they pinned him down to a cross with nails in his arms and his feet. And this Lord Jesus, who had been wronged, I swear to you, from the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I mean, if there was ever a person who was entitled to bitterness. And so what that means is, you're not obligated to be bitter. And you don't even have a right to your bitterness. Bitterness is a sinful response in your heart to sin committed against you. Right? Bitterness is simply revealing what's already in your heart. And a, a missionary named Amy Carmichael, she once gave this illustration. She said, if you have two glasses of water, and one glass is filled with sweet water, and one glass is filled with bitter water, and you bump the glasses, what's going to come out? And her point was very simple. Her point was simply, when these glasses get bumped, it simply reveals what's already inside. It's not that the bump makes the glass suddenly become a glass of bitter water or sweet water. All the bump does is simply reveal what the glass is already filled with. And her point, and my point to you is, listen, we're going to get bumped in this life. People are going to sin against us. And when they do, that which comes out simply reveals what's in our heart. If bitterness comes out, it's because there is sin and bitterness in our hearts. The problem isn't out here. The problem is in here. That's why when they bumped the Lord Jesus, grace came out. When they bumped the Lord Jesus, forgiveness came out. When they bumped the Lord Jesus, mercy came out. Because his heart was full of mercy and grace and forgiveness. When they bumped the Lord Jesus, holiness came out. Because he was holy. And yet when you bump my heart and bitterness comes out, it reveals a problem I have. And my sin. And so the first way to be rid of bitterness for you, I would plead with you, the scriptures would plead with you, repent. Acknowledge it. Own it. It may be that someone sinned against you. I'm not taking that away. But I am saying that bitterness is your sinful response to that sin. And so you need to ask the Lord to forgive you for that. You need to ask the Lord to cleanse you from that. You need to ask the Lord to change the cups that you have. Right? This is why your own striving is not going to be enough. This is why you've got to pray as the scriptures do. Create in me a clean heart, a new heart, O oh God. You've got to trade the stuff that's in my heart because I can't. Otherwise, when I keep getting bumped, that's what's going to come out. You've got to make me a merciful, gracious, 
forgiving, holy person as Jesus was. Your response to hurts reveals how far off you are from Jesus and how much you need his grace in your life. But second, you're repenting, you're turning from, you're confessing the bad news, which is your sin, but you're also believing. What are you believing? Good news. Really good news. This is what Christians and the Bible calls gospel. What's the good news you are to believe? Here again, Ephesians 4. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Now, if I were to pause there, I'd say, how on earth are we going to do all that? How on earth are we going to put all this junk away? And how on earth are we going to be kind and tenderhearted and forgiving? And he ends the verse by telling us, just as God in Christ forgave you. Where are you going to get the power to do this? Just as God in Christ forgave you. You see, friends, I have really good news for you, and the good news is God is not bitter against you, though he should be. You have offended God in hundreds of ways that you know and thousands of ways you don't even know. Thousands of ways you don't even know you've offended him. And I promise you, he's not bitter. I promise you, he has no resentment. I promise you, that's not what God is like. The good news is, you have offended him. I mean, just you think through the last seven days. You don't even have to span your whole life. The last seven days. And you think of the things that you have done that you ought not have done. Or the things that you have left undone that you ought to have done. Anybody here who would be able to say, in the last seven days, I did all that the Lord wanted me to do. I treasured him as he deserved to be treasured. I worshipped him as he deserves to be worshipped. I kept myself away from all iniquity as he calls me to. And I removed all sin from my life. I don't, I don't even need your year or your life. I'd say the last seven days would be enough to give you ample evidence that the Lord should be angry and resentful and bitter towards you. And he's not. Not at all. In fact, he took out all his anger on himself, sending his own son, Jesus Christ, to the cross to bear the wrath for our sins so that he might have nothing but mercy and grace and forgiveness for you. Right? The, the, the scriptures tell us, Psalm 103, he keeps no, he does not treat us as our sins deserve. 1 Corinthians 13, he keeps no record of wrongs. Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so much does he love us. Think of that. Right? He keeps no record of wrongs. You and I replay that DVD over and over again. Do you know he would have? Imagine the footage he would have on your life to watch and replay and review and to enact punishment for. And he keeps no record of wrongs. That means his, his entertainment system has no DVDs. There's nothing filed away with your name and the record of wrongs you've done. He, he has no resentment. He has no bitterness. 
His heart is clean and pure and forgiving and free towards you. And Paul is saying, forgive one another just as God in Christ forgave you. And what the gospel is trying to say is, look, if you have experienced that kind of unconditional free forgiveness, it will force you, compel you, and empower you to be a forgiving person. And if you're not, it may be likely that you've never tasted this forgiveness in the first place. Right? Bitter people don't, be, don't go on to be with God because they've never tasted the goodness of his forgiveness. Right? God has forgiven us unconditionally and instantly. This is the last thing I'll say and then I'll be done. Right? God has forgiven us how? Unconditionally and instantly. Jesus once told a story of a man who had been forgiven $10 billion of debt. And, and I don't know how much it was, but just this enormous amount. And he tells the story of this man who had $10 billion in debt, and he goes up to this king that he owes this debt to, and he cries out for mercy, and in an instant, with no conditions, no here's a payback plan, no here's you work it off, with nothing but grace, he says, it's done. The debt is gone. And Jesus goes on to tell the story that this man who had just been forgiven $10 billion walks out and finds a man who owed him 10 bucks. And he grabs him by the throat and he says, pay me back what you owe. And he locks him in prison, and Jesus' point in the story is, don't you see? You have been forgiven. Unbelievable offense. I swear to you, whatever anyone has done to you, you have done infinitely worse to God. The worst thing that has ever been done to you, I promise you, you have offended God worse. And your debt with him was worse. And in an instant, with no conditions, he forgave you. And the scriptures are saying, forgive others that way, unconditionally, right? Some of us are here saying, I'm ready to forgive as soon as they say sorry, as soon as they apologize. That, that's how we're all wired, right? This morning, I, I kid you not, before we came to church, Hannah calls out to me from the other room and says, Dad, Micah hit me two times and he didn't say sorry. And I said, Hannah, and just because I was preaching this, otherwise I wouldn't have known to say it. I said, Hannah, have you forgiven Micah? And she goes, why? No, he hasn't said sorry yet. Did you hear that? She's five, and she knows the way the world works for us. I'm not forgiving until he says sorry. You know what that is? That's a condition. That's a qualification. When you give me that, then I'll forgive. And I want you to hear God forgave you before you even knew to confess. He loved us, not that we love God, but that he loved us. While we were still sinners, Romans tells us, Christ died for us. Before you knew to say sorry, his heart had already forgiven you. Right? There's all kinds of practical questions you'll have to work out in community. Like, I'm not guaranteeing you that every relationship in your life will immediately be reconciled. I'm not even saying that other people who have wronged you don't need to repent in order for the relationship to be fully reconciled. They do. But I am saying you have a part to play that no one else needs to do anything for because it, it's to you to forgive as God has forgiven you. And there's no conditions that need to be met for you to do that. 
And so here's what I'd say to you again. If you're here and perhaps the Holy Spirit is showing you that you've got roots of bitterness growing in your heart, don't waste today. Why wait for another day? The Lord is speaking to you even today and saying to you, I want to rid your heart of these roots. And I want to rid it by you repenting and believing. Repent of the sin of your bitterness. Believe the gospel and the good news of all that God has done for you through Jesus Christ, that in his heart there is no bitterness towards you, and believe that till it moves your heart to be free of bitterness as well. Let's pray together. Our Lord, we would ask you now by your Holy Spirit to work on our hearts through the preached word from your scriptures. We pray that the Spirit himself might now, through the shovel of grace, dig out deep and entrenched roots all over this room, all over our church, and in every place in our hearts. There are things that are um, hours deep, maybe disagreements on the way to church, and the roots of bitterness are beginning to grow. But there are also some things here that may be decades deep that have been watered and nourished and nurtured for a long time. And pulling those things up is going to take a great amount of effort. And so we ask that the Holy Spirit himself, who is strong, would pull them up out of our lives today. We ask that you would so comfort us with the good news of God's love for us, the good news that Jesus paid all our debts, that the heart of God has no bitterness or anger towards us. There's no slander about us from God. No wrath, no malice. Transform us to be people who are more like Christ and change our hearts, O Lord. Do more than we know to ask and heal us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.